three, <coughs> two, one. What's your favorite Wind Rose album? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you slacked off last week, but you jumped right in there. Uh, I had What's to jump right in there. That Rose was good. Reference. That was good. It's well, hey, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, come check us out. Our Sunday service is at 1030. If you're not local, but looking for a good Bible teaching church, you can maybe watch online. Uh, check us out. Uh, we live stream on Facebook slash Calvary 316, or you can find our YouTube channel, Calvary316.live. Uh, you can learn all about the church, Calvary316.com. Um, I, I will say this, though. One little caveat about watching online. That does not substitute for church. So wherever you are, wherever you might be listening or watching, um, yes, if you need a Bible teaching church, you can watch our service at 1030, or you can uh, go to our website and watch the archive of videos and Bible studies and whatnot. You can get fed online. That's, it's true. There's a lot of great places you can go uh, to get Bible teaching, but that does not set, substitute uh, for actually plugging into a church. And you might say, well, well Zach, uh, there's so many things, like I can't find a good church. Well, find one that's as close to as good as you can find and plug in. And hopefully you can make a difference. And if you're like, well, the, 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 this is wrong or that's wrong. Like, I don't like the worship. Well, the guy, you know, you know, listen to K-Wave or, or find, find some good Christian music you can listen to. Like, okay, the music might not fit your taste, but you can find a substitute for that outside of the church. Well, the Bible studies aren't, aren't really that good or he's not a great speaker. Who cares? Like, you can get supplemental Bible teaching online. Uh, but Hashtag get fed today. You can, you can, we'll jump into that in just a second. Uh, my point though, is while I do invite people that are local, come check out our church uh, in person. And then I always add this tag that you can um, watch online. I, I just, the caveat is that's not a substitute for church. If you are just watching live stream church, uh, you are, you're missing out on some of the most significant aspects of church, why Jesus constituted the church. Why, why, why it's his, his bride, why it's, it's an institution. Like there's community, there's a connection, there's people. There's a lot of other things about a church that you need that you can't get if you don't go in person. So just saying. I'm joined in studio, as always, by uh, the man that needs no introduction, uh, Dick Dastardly, Creighton Vaughn, also known as Pope Creighton. Hello, uh, I am uh, Pope Creighton. I do... Uh, still take indulgences. I'll no, leave my cash don't, my app goodness. below. I, you're selling uh, yes, icons absolutely. over there now. Yes. No, 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 not icons. That's heretical. Indulgences. And, which is, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Pope Creighton took a 23 and me, found out that while he thought he was fully black. I never thought is, I was fully black. He Look is a quarter me. Italian. And so it made sense why he hates Christmas. Uh, you know, his kind killed Jesus. And so, you know, just there's so many things about, about Creighton that now makes sense. So uh, the email address to reach the Outlaw Radio Show, the new email address is PopeCreighton at gmail.com. So Creighton, also plug for Get, to, get Fed Today, right? Yes. If you are looking to get fed during your week, either because you don't aren't going to church, which you should, like I was saying earlier, you or you're going to a church for, for where, us to take you seriously. All right, fine. Fine. It, the hat's it's coming a gag, off. It's a I like the hat. It makes me feel special. It's it's on camera. Just anyway, drop it off to the side. Um, Just drop it off to the side. There you go. It's gonna get dirty. It's bright white. There you go. Um, if you're looking to get fed during the week, if you don't have a, a Bible to listen to during the week that you'd like to, 
Get Fed Today is a great thing. It Five Bible studies drop every Monday so that you can listen to one a day for your week or if you want to just double up and listen to them all at once, that's cool too. Um, but it's a great place to, to for solid Bible teaching. Um, it's a bunch of people that I like, it's a bunch of people that Zach likes. Um, it's very cool. It's on every major podcaster. Um, so if you don't have it on your podcaster, let me know. Get fed today. You can let me totally know at pokegrayton at gmail.com. Totally free. Yes, so obviously. It's comple- completely free. And uh, we don't ask permission to take the audio. Or the people who do it don't ask permission. Um, the people that do it, right. Uh, uh, but we haven't had anybody tell us to take it off, so it, it works that way. The people who do it haven't had anybody tell right. them to take it off. <laughs> the caveats. Thank you, Creighton. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. It. Uh, we're also joined, we're, we kind of have a bit of a skeleton crew uh, tonight, but we're joined uh, by two of our, our buddies, two of our gents, uh, Mr. Kyle Parkin. What's Welcome up? to the show. I, you're, you're rocking your Braves shirt just in time for opening day tomorrow. Opening day tomorrow. And it's framed very well. It is. No, it looks great. For opening day tomorrow, you doing all right? Yeah, good. I haven't been here in a couple of weeks. It's been life has been extremely busy and hectic, and it will continue that way for it looks like about another month. So <laughs> that's that's my life right It'll now. It'll continue that way forever, yeah. <laughs> forever. And then also we got Spice Daddy in the house. Howdy. Spi- you, you, been you, working you, on my intense stairs. You you have been working on your intense stairs, um, particularly trying to go for the rock. Can I see the rock yeah. real quick? I, I'm really. You don't have trying. the eyebrow. You don't have the I, eyebrows. For yeah, it. it's because I'm white. You don't have. <laughs> and you, yeah, you. You don't look anything like The Rock. It, <laughs> it's because I'm fat, isn't it? I didn't say that. That that was really. It's okay. It's okay. I like food. You're not skinny. We'll put it that way. Yeah, I'm not. So it's not a skeleton crew. It's, well, I guess it's not a skeleton crew in that sense. You can't have a skeleton crew with that spice out of here. That was a good one. So, uh, guys, thank you for being here. If you're new to the show, the way that the show works is this is an unscripted conversational Bible study uh, that gets podcasted. So it's podcasted on Thursdays, gets live streamed. The recording of the podcast is live streamed on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Creighton's job as the producer is to drop a topic. My job is to turn that topic or passage into a Bible study. These guys are here to interject, provide their thoughts, and help me accomplish that task. Uh, one of the things that we are kind of, and, and this week we experimented a little bit with it, is uh, before the show, kind of midday on Wednesday, uh, I'm dropping out on Facebook kind of a little bit of the tease for the show. Um, Creighton is sending me like a one line. Uh, it's not what the show's about, but it's kind of a tease for the show. Uh, we've kind of learned that, um, that the audience, you guys, um, are a little bit more engaged leading into the show when you kind of know a little bit what the show's going to be about in advance. Uh, so this is still unscripted. Um, there is no script to the study uh, or to the evening. Um, I, we have at least a, a cursory idea of maybe the topic, but it'll be up to Creighton to provide uh, a kind of a more detailed direction of what he's thinking and what we'll be talking about tonight. And then, uh, and then I tend to throw in a little bit of a rant at the beginning. I'm going to throw a curveball. I'm going to push everything that I want to say uh, as far as uh, transgenderism and some of the things that have happened recently, some of the things that have been in the news with the Covenant Christian School shooting and whatnot. I'm going to push all that to the end. So if we're able to get to it, we can get to it. If we're not able to get to it, that's okay. Uh, but Creighton, we are... I, I took over last week's show, so I just want to make sure that, that we're not replicating that on a week-to-week basis uh, because your job we, we take seriously. So drop the topic, let's have a conversation, and then whatever time we have left, uh, we, can, we can rant, bloviate converse about some other things i will say this real quick if you're watching on the live stream whether it be youtube uh 
outlawradio.live or our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. Uh, the comment section, uh, you can join the conversation. You can share your thoughts, ask questions. Creighton is monitoring. Pope Creighton is monitoring both feeds. And so uh, Watching, not only will we have... You will. Not, what did you say? Watching, if you will. Watching, From monitoring, same thing. You're, you're, you're looking at it. So if it gets dropped, you're going to fill it in. So not only will we have a conversation, uh, but we invite you to join our conversation as well. So uh, Creighton first, anybody jump in at all? Or you drop the topic. So uh, Ms. Ann says hi. As so everyone always. say hi. Thank you, Ms. Ann. Appreciate we love you. Um, and uh, friend of the show, Derek, responded to Justin by saying uh, the smoldering stare. Deal Daddy Derek's not with us in studio, but we, we he's joined us I've, on the interwebs. I've perfect, perfected that stare over years, and I'm still developing it. Um, always room for improvement. There's Agreed. always room yeah. for improvement, for sure. So what are we talking about, Craig? All right. So um, we actually, actually dropped the topic at the end of last week's episode. Well, it was very broad. I mean, because, you said Calvinism, Armenianism. Right. Calvinism, Armenianism. But to be more specific, I want to go real bird's eye view. What is Calvinism? What is Armenianism? And is there a middle ground between the two? Because they are both things that I think can be, can easily trip up, especially new Christians or Christians who just have not come up against those ideas as stated. Um, you know, the idea that either God is in total control or God is in not in control of us at all. Um, so I want to just bird's eye view. What is Calvinism? What is Armenianism? And is there a middle ground where you don't come across as a crazy person who's ignoring something in scripture? Because I feel like both hard Calvinists and hard Armenianists are ignoring something. Um, so my question is, there is a middle ground and what are the two things? So I'm going to interject right off the bat by saying I absolutely... 100% completely with all of my being hate everything about that question. Okay. Then th I did my job like hardcore deep within my soul Bible college nonsense <laughs> type question. Did you choose to feel that way or did God? <laughs> exactly. It? exactly. The, the way I look at it though, is that Armenians have some really good food and Calvinists. They're not known for their food. I think um, we're talking about two different kind of Armenian. Oh, are we? I'm sorry. <laughs> nice contribution. <laughs> nice contribution. Right from the from the get go. Now let me explain why why I, I really like you dropping that topic. It's not the topic really. It's the way that you frame the topic. Because I think the way you frame the topic, the way you frame the question, actually reveals everything that I that I hate about the conversation. Um, and it's and it's the way that you framed it of saying, let's talk about this from uh, the bird's eye view, because I think I think that that is that is what makes the conversation, generally speaking, lunacy, because we don't live. I'm not a bird and I don't fly up in the sky like I live on the ground. And so we can talk about theology from like an ethereal perspective who, who cares if it doesn't, if, if your theology doesn't meet the rubber of life, like the rubber of the road of life, if it, if it doesn't, if, if some lofty theology isn't applicable, 
if it doesn't apply, if it doesn't, if it doesn't matter, if it doesn't translate to normal living, then who cares? It's like it's an it's an it's a nonsensical ivory tower conversation of the theoretical by people and really and this is what drives me nuts. These are like Bible college conversations of people that have never lived any meaningful life, uh, never will live any meaningful life. It's professors that like couldn't cut it in an actual church dealing with real people and want to sit in a room and have some like grand grandiose conversation about some lofty theology that guess what we've been debating for like 2000 years no one's reached a conclusion on so what i just heard was what i just assumed was what we're talking about has more relevance than what you're talking about yeah yeah, you bringing in food was was probably the, the the most practical element to the conversation that's interesting because what i just heard was the worst employee review i've ever gotten in my whole life <laughs> <laughs> no, no, my, just, so no raise this year <laughs> huh bud you know what a thousand percent raise um <laughs> thousand percent of nothing's nothing now i i know i know I'm, I'm coming hard on the question yeah um but i'm coming hard on the question to actually end up answering the question so i don't i don't mean to be a jerk but I do mean to like make make a make I think a very important point about the topic in general. Um, again, going back to my days in Bible college or conversations that you know, that you end up having amongst Christians, it's like you can you can end up having these conversations, these debates. You can go back and forth, um, and 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 literally spend hours talking about nothing. Yes. To what benefit? To what edification? Like none of, none of the extremes in that sense are applicable to life. Agreed. And I actually, I made so that So that's point. my only conjecture about the, like, let's talk about this from the, the 20,000 foot perspective. It's like, well, I, that's actually the problem. Now, I think we can have a conversation about it from. An application standpoint. From our lives. Like, okay. I think that the, the theology, and, and again, this is. Anyone that wants to get into the conversations of Calvinism and Armenianism, and you're going to do it from the bird's eye perspective, I have no interest in the conversation because we're not birds. But if you want to have a conversation about these two theologies and, and our, our lives today, well, now not only do I think that that's interesting and relevant, but, but is more along the lines of actually... It's more along the path of understanding the theology. Because if the theology can't, if it doesn't apply, if it doesn't matter, if it can't compute to like tangible life, then I have a hard time getting behind that theology. I'll give you an example of this. And right off the bat, you're going to be like, well, wait, that this will be interesting. The Trinity. You want to talk about like, like second and maybe Calvinism or Arminianism, Armenianism, which we'll define in a moment. You want to talk about like one of the most confusing, convoluting, widely debated theologies within Christianity? Well, it's the triune nature of God. It's the fact that God exists Father, Son, and Spirit, that God is three individual persons in one entity. Again, that doesn't violate the law of non-contradiction because you're saying that them as one is different than them as three, but they're still one and the same. It's a, it's a, again, you can get into the, 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 you can read all kinds of, of books about it, theologies about it. You can talk about it till you're blue in the face. 
I love the fact that there's some aspects of God I don't fully grasp. However, the, 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 the conversation only matters if there's an, a practical application to me. And is the triune nature of God applicable to me? A hundred percent. Because I, I, I'm, I'm told in Genesis, I was created in the image and likeness of God. So the very nature of God does have a, a ramification on me. Um, to the to the fact that like understanding the triune nature of God gives me insight into my own triunity, my own triune nature, mind, body, soul. Like what what does it mean um, to be me? Before, There's an application to it. So I'm just saying like like you can talk, and then when you start talking in in the nitty gritty about what makes a human being as it reflects the triune nature of God, it makes the conversations of the triune nature of God matter. Because there's an, a practical application to me. You see what I'm saying? Like, as just an illustration. I'm not trying to talk about the triune nature of God, but you see what I'm saying? Before yeah. we go into this, can can you just quickly define what Calvinism and, and Arminianism is? And, and, like... For sure. Just kind of over general yeah. thing. And, and how to, how that applies to, to Christians, I guess, in general. Because, I mean, I, I, I think a lot of people hear those terms being thrown around, and they don't know how it applies to them. So Kyle, you and I have had conversations along this topic. Do you want to try to provide just kind of a, maybe a broad definition of the two camps? Yeah. Uh, the broad definition Calvinist is predestination. So that's, you know, everything is preordained, predecided ahead of time by God and the way he had it planned. Um, Armenianism is the, the free will camp. Everything is the, the you've got to make the choices. You, that's the, uh, the choosing to come to God side versus Calvinist being the, you were one of the chosen. Can one of you guys very quickly, because it's been a long time since I've looked up some of this stuff. Five points of Calvinism. Tulip. Can you look up Tulip? Like what each of the letters stand for? Because it gives you a better breakdown into the definition of Calvinism and the particular beliefs. Kyle, Kyle, from a very broad standpoint, uh, nailed down the particulars. The two camps and, and really, they're, they're two extremes. The Calvinistic side really emphasizes uh, predestination, God's sovereignty. It's the idea that, like, this is all preordained, foreordained. We are all um, puppets to the master. And, um, and they take that, again, the, the way that Tulip is structured in the five points of Calvinism, which if you get into the conversations, you'll hear the five points of Calvinism. Like, they take things to, to an extreme, which... The theology would to the point like if God is in control of everything, one one of the ideas is that okay you're completely totally depraved. D- total depravity is the first the first one T. So it's total depravity, meaning like to the extreme that the only way that you can choose Jesus, the only way that you can come to the cross is for God to ordain you to do that, because you are so dead in your sins. You there's no there's no like you can't respond even to the call of God. Um, apart from God giving you the ability to respond to his call. Which would be the you, unconditional election. Which, which, which then means, unconditional election, that God hasn't really... Uh, whereas God maybe had a, a, a role in all of us being born, uh, God, upon birth, determined subsequently who was part of the elect and who wasn't. That God knew and determined... And I, let me make a distinction. It's, it's one thing to know. It's another thing to determine. 
Calvinists would say that God determined from the beginning uh, who would be saved and who wouldn't because God was the one that enabled each individual to respond to his calling. Um, so w- when we say, well, God's sovereign, uh, God you know, predestines, um, th- those two statements, I'm like 100% there. But both of the first two points of TULIP, I completely disagree with from a fundamental standpoint. So you got the T, you got the U, Creighton, run, run with them real quick, the next one. Next one is limited atonement. Yeah, and, that, and so limited atonement, again, following in sequence here, you know, if, if, if everyone's depraved, so no one can respond upon, apart from God's intervention, and, and, um, and the U was, um, Creighton, help me out, the U. U was unconditional election. Unconditional election, so that some of us have been chosen and others haven't, and then limited atonement... Is the idea that well, Jesus only died for those who were chosen. Jesus only died for the elect. So for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the world and their classification would be the elect, those of the world in whom he elected. Which again, I can run through 15 passages of scripture that directly challenge that idea. Continuing on. Uh, irresistible grace, which um, from, do you want to go? Yeah, right? yeah, you, know, you can define it. Uh, from the what I'm looking at, it seems to be the idea that people who are elect from the beginning of the world have no choice but to follow Jesus at some point in their lives. And that is Meaning the grace that will that's either, given. Right. So it will, they either will come willingly or will get taken by the, I don't know, by the grace. You don't have a choice when it's all right. said and done. Exactly. And then the final, the final point. Perseverance of the saints. Which is just that the saints can't lose their election after being elected. So when we when you talk about Calvinism, you, you will hear, hear you'll hear people say, "Well, man, that guy he's a five pointer." Like, what mm-hmm. does that mean? Well, you take tulip, you take the acrostic, and, and this is kind of lays out the definition of it. So if you refer to someone as a five point Calvinist, Justin, you would say that like they're they are on this extreme. Uh, you will find like one of the pastors that I um, Calvary Chapel Marietta. Um, uh, Brian Bell uh, would say he's like a two and a half to three pointer, you know, like so, <laughs> like, like he's well, a buck. I like you that. know. So you get you, you know you you start to kind of like wade out into the middle of of it, um, but again it it is it is it's taking this the, the idea of predestination sovereignty to its its. They sound a lot like Jehovah's Witnesses. It's intellectual, well, to a, to an extent, <laughs> but it's well, what, but even even historically. Um, uh, Martin Luther was absolutely, he was more Calvin than John Calvin was. Uh, Luther, most of the reformers were very Calvinistic. The Puritans were. Um, mainline Protestant denominations are, are very Calvinistic. Um, it is very much, um, because intellectually, I can understand something very complex if I go to those extremes. The the challenge though is what? Practically, I don't I don't it doesn't seem like that exactly is my experience. So like you can say, hey, theologically, this makes all the sense in the world. I would just say, okay, take your theology from its twenty thousand foot perspective, bring it down to earth, because I don't see that working. Like I don't see that in its application. Um, and not just in my own life. But when I'm looking at the scriptures, right, I don't see that. I don't see that working out. Now, does the Bible teach predestination? 
hundred percent. Is is God fully sovereign? No doubt about it. But th- this is this extreme. Now, on the other end of it, Armenianism um, was kind of the, the the other end of the pendulum, the yin to the yang. It it completely borderline deist in the sense that like mm-hmm. God created everything, God set everything into, into order, into motion, but that God has very very little, if not any, uh, practical involvement in the day-to-day operations of our lives. Um, that it is, it, again, the emphasis is primarily and purely on the free will of, of humanity apart from any involvement of the divine. Again, it's the opposite end, which you can go to and try to explain things, and you can get in the 20,000-foot perspective and be like, okay, I can answer some questions, but practically speaking, um, that doesn't work either for me. Um, you know, right from the jump, um, I, I, I reject conversations um, that, that label me as being anything other than a Jesus follower. And you'll, you'll run into these people that when you ask them, you know, their theology, oh, I'm a Calvinist. <laughs> well, wait a second. He's dead, right? You, you do know that. Um, well, I'm I'm an Armenian. Well, they're dead too. It's like I I just want to be a, I want to be a a Bible believing Christ follower. Like I don't I don't want to have any particular label. Um, I don't want to argue for a camp as opposed to just like representing and reflecting Jesus. Be not of Paul, be not of Apollos. Absolutely. First Corinthians. Like it's 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 that rejection of sectarianism and and the dividing of people into camps. And that doesn't mean that we can't have different camps of theology. But with this particular conversation, I would say the only other one that, that gets close is uh dealing with tribulation, millennial mm-hmm. reign of Christ, the Pre-post rapture and mid trip. So, you so get is this argument, kinds. is this argument even important in the Christian walk? Like what uh, do we, do we even, what I'm saying is uh, as, as a Christian or someone that might be a new believer, do they even need to involve themselves in these conversations? This is something they, they desperately need to, to know. Am I a Calvinist? Am I Arminian? Am I somewhere in between? Is it something that's going to affect their, their Christian walk? Or is it just something that you just need to kind of maybe like, yeah, I understand these. This is my focus though. Uh, this is where I need to be. Going back to like what Zach was saying, I think, you know, the conversation itself is, is pointless. I mean, no, you don't need to No, no baby Christian or, you know, well-versed Christian needs to be, have these conversations or seek out this debate or, you know, really even be, be spouting opinions about it all over the place. It, it's really more for just an understanding of, of God, how the world works and what your role is, is I think where it kind of comes down to. So yeah, I would, I would add to that um, because I agree with, I agree with you. There's no, there's no functional reason to have this conversation. It doesn't, this is one of those things uh, I call it an open hand or a close hand. This is one of the conversations where we're in heaven will not matter. Right. Um, I think it does matter in that a part of the point of being here is to learn about God. And this is the thing to learn about. Um, and the other reason <laughs> is because I've seen it be used as a, um, as a like a uh, cudgel against Christians. 
So for especially for new Christians who are possibly out in the world and don't have a whole, I think it's an important thing to bring up to them so they are aware that this is a thing that they may encounter people who do not believe in God talking to them about, um, which is why I brought it up was because I, I think it's important to better better learn how learn what people are going to ask you about in friendly circumstances than in hostile ones, you know? See, this yeah. is where I'm going to disagree with both of you. All right, let's Be- go. Because so I, so I went hard one direction, and now I'm going to swing back the, uh, the opposite. Because I, why I, I started the whole conversation saying, I hate this conversation in the context of the way that you framed it from the 20,000-foot perspective mm-hmm. for the reasons I just laid out. Because, yes, you would be right. This ends up being a distraction. This ends up being uh, an intellectual exercise that doesn't have any any meaning or value to our daily lives or our daily walk. But that that's if you're ha- that's if you're addressing this from the twenty thousand foot perspective. What I'm saying is bring it down to earth, and then the conversation is warranted and meaningful and and does apply. Because here's the deal: I can completely make the argument that we are in desperate need, like. The, the fact that God is sovereignly in control of my life provides me incredible comfort. It provides me um, resolve. It's what gives me the hope that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, it, it, it gives me uh, the tenacity when I have fallen that God's grace is, remains sufficient. Like Apart from the theology of it, I don't have assurances to any of that. So like that, it does matter and it does mean something and there is an application to it. On the flip side to it, um, when, I'm, when I'm screwing around, when I'm doing things that are stupid, um, I, 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 I then kind of look at the theology and it's like, okay, God might be sovereignly in control of my life, but I can completely screw up God's sovereign will for my life through my stupid decisions and poor choices. Now, once I've repented, can I be restored? And does God's will now have a new a new blueprint? Are we are we in like a multi-dimensional universe of what God's will can be and how it might shift and change? Does it my point, does the converse is the conversation relevant to my daily life if I place it within that context? The twenty thousand foot conversation, who gives who cares? Who cares? Again, you can say like, well, you know, the sign when I'm entering heaven is um you know um you know whosoever wills and then when i get through the gate i look back predestined before the foundations of the world like you know it's just it's just you you got two ropes going up into the ceiling and they look like they're independent but you look above the ceiling when we get to heaven you see it's a pulley you know this all intertwined you know this kind of reminds me of uh, this kind of relevant for you and creighton i'm not sure if you're going but when you all go to israel uh there's a place called Masada, and uh, there's three ways to get up on top of the the plateau there. Uh, you Explain can, what Masada was. Masada is a place near the Dead Sea that King Herod had built a basically a fortress there. It's a massive plateau. Oh, uh, out in the middle of nowhere. Out in yeah. the middle of nowhere. It's overlooking the Dead yeah, yeah. Sea. Uh, it. It's technically really high up, but it's technically really low down because it's Dead Sea. The Dead Sea below. Um, but anyway, there's three ways to get up on top of this this plateau, for lack of a better term. Uh, you can either take the snake path, which is a long trail, pretty steep, takes about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour to walk up. 
not good for people that are out of shape. Uh, you can go on the back end of things, which is the Roman ramp that the Romans used to. That uh, they built. They to built it. over years. Ten years. It was ten years to to conquer it. Or you can take the modern path up there, which is a tram, like <laughs> right. a, which is a little like a cable car that goes up to the top. Which I've taken. Right. Uh, so like, I've lived in Israel, been to Israel many times. I've walked up the snake path. I've walked up the Roman path. That cable car is much more convenient to to someone of my uh, polar physique, uh, and, and and so I, I think God's plan is the way you're kind of describing it. You know, God's ultimate plan there is the top of that plateau. You're still getting there, but if you can choose the God's plan or the hard way or the semi-hard way. And I think the, I think it, the conversation it, and Creighton, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the conversation is to try to, to try to find like some semblance of harmony between what appears to be two very polar opposite positions. And like where, where is, is there a harmony or like, where does the middle land? Um, is, is that a good summary of, I think kind of what you were trying to articulate? Yeah, more or less. Just how do you, because I, I fully believe that we are both predestined and have free will. And so I was trying to get to how we get to that middle ground where both of those things can be true. They seem mutually exclusive. They, they seem, seem mutually exclusive, but so does being a monotheistic religion with three gods. Well, I think that's, that's like, summed up in that straight and narrow path metaphor is <laughs> the way is straight and narrow, but it's easy. And oftentimes we choose the windy, wide road, thinking that's going to be the easiest way. So I'm going to I'm going to try to answer your God's. I I don't know how else. I'm going to try to answer your question. I want to start. So you you framed in in the tease the larger conversation. I I thought into a very good question, Um, and that and that was God's role in our actions because I think that really does sum up the conversation are our actions independent of God or does God have a role in our actions? Right. And I think that's a good way, a very simple way of, of trying to get to some deeper idea. Um, it was funny because when you text me that earlier today, I was, I was working through Matthew chapter 25 and, um, I was listening to a Bible study dealing with the parable of the talents. And, uh, and I, I want to read, I want to read a few verses here. It'll be a little lengthy, uh, but I'm, I'm going to make a point. Uh, Jesus, he says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he would receive five talents, came and brought other five talents and said, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the glory of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The exact same reward 
Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he who have, uh, has abundance, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into un- outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, what, what's interesting about this and, and the comment that one of the pastors, I think it was Damian Kyle made about the text, and particularly the third servant, so you're the first with five talents. He took those five talents, invested them, doubled his money. He was rewarded. You had a guy with two. Took those two, doubled it. And they were each given according to their talent, to their ability. So it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, your, it was what you did with it. It wasn't what you incurred. He doubled it and got the same reward as the guy with five. It wasn't that he had now three more than him. It was, it was based on, a faithfulness. I gave you, now I'm going to hold you responsible for doing what I gave you. Well, the third servant, he gives one talent to, which means he doesn't have as much ability as the previous two gentlemen. Um, but what did he do? Well, he was afraid. So he just buried it in the ground. Master came back. He gave him back what he was given. And the master's not happy with it. Like you could have at least put it in the bank, got interest. Even doubling it, you didn't have to double it. You gain nothing. I gave you, it didn't, re- it, it didn't manifest anything else. But what was interesting about the point Damien Kyle made is that, that what is the explanation of the servant provided for his actions? And he says, well, I, I know that you're a hard man. What you reap, you sow. What you sow, you reap. Uh, basically, he's saying, like, what is, is. Like, he's actually kind of making this appeal of, like, uh, what you will is what's willed. So I don't really have to do anything with it anyway. And what does the master say? No, that's not how this works. You wicked and lazy servant. Exactly. So even within this parable that Jesus teaches, you find some interesting ideas that merge together. Um, God gives. It all starts with God. God gives it, right? But on the flip side to it, can we sit back and say, well, God does his thing. I don't really have to have an involvement here. No, like they were judged on their involvement off of what God had given, right? So you see this interesting picture of like this combination of like it all comes from God, but then you also see man's, man's role and man's involvement. Um, there is unquestionably um, like a component of free will that exists within humanity. Um, again, one of the problems that I have with the, the, the full-blown Calvinist perspective is that if God wills it all and I don't have free will, then my sinful choices were preordained by God. Like the problem with the, the, far, the, the far end of the Calvinistic perspective is that I can't reconcile it with the basic understanding of what is just. So justice, judgment, like if, if grace is giving me what I don't deserve, mercy is withholding 
what I do deserve. Judgment is giving me what I deserve, right? Justice, mercy is withholding what I deserve. But like if God, like, like how can God be just and there not be any recompense? If, if there can, can't, like if I'm not accountable for my actions or let's say that responsible for them because I'm, I'm pre-programmed to do them, then how can I be held accountable? Like why would there ever need to be atonement to begin with given by Jesus? Because my sin isn't committed in a free will. It wasn't my decision. It wasn't committed under my authority. Like, it, it fits within the concept like we have within our own judicial system where people that are mentally handicapped, you have insanity or whatever. Or coerced. They're not held, they're not held to the same standard. Why? Because there's an acknowledgement that you weren't at, like that you shouldn't be held fully accountable for whatever decision you made because you weren't really free to make that decision. So you're saying that Jesus died on the si- for my sins on the cross for the sins that God determined that I was going to make? I mean, that, that's what you're saying if you go to that extreme. And that doesn't fit within Scripture. You can't point to examples of that within Scripture. It's logically inconsistent with the rest of the Bible. Okay, entirely. Um, and then you go back, and if you, if you really want to simplify, you go back all the way to the beginning, to the garden. You know, you have Adam and Eve, and this is where this conversation will go. You have Adam and Eve in the garden, and God gives them complete freedom, but equips them with free will. Why? He gives, he gives them a decision. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the day you do, you'll die. Now, if they didn't have the capacity to choose to defy God, then how can they be held accountable if they defy God because God determined it? Right, it wouldn't be defy it wouldn't be defying at that point. Exactly. So, where do we find some bridge between how can God be in total control and us have the ability to choose? And I think the interesting the interesting link that very few people talk about is the fact that God sovereignly gave us a conscience. And he equipped that conscience with the knowledge of good and evil for us to make the right decision. But God is sovereign in the sense that he gave us a conscience. Now, Paul will tell Timothy that we can sear our conscience by the more that we defy it. So God has implanted in all of us a honing mechanism to bring us to the cross and salvation. But we now have to make the decision whether or not we're going to respond to that honing mechanism or reject it. And the more we reject it, the further away we get, the duller it becomes. Again, that that can remain completely consistent in God's sovereignty where God wills all men to come into salvation. Who does God want to be saved? Everyone. God loves everyone. God wills for everyone to be saved. Does that mean everyone's saved? No. How can God will it but still people go to hell? Well, because God willed it and then implanted within us a mechanism to bring us, to draw us to influence even our our will. But we still have will. Now, God over over our actions. Does God have control over our actions? Come on guys, come on. Does God have control of your actions? No. No, but 100%. Can, what are you talking could. about? Come on, come on. Does I, God have control of your actions? What's the basis ha- of the gospel? 
I think he has control over it. But how does he have control of your actions? He, if you're a Christian, how does he have control of your well, actions? Well, you've given over that will to God. Okay. You're thinking too big. Sorry. <laughs> how does God have control of your actions as a Christian? The answer is, of course, he doesn't. No, like the answer is he absolutely no. does. He absolutely does. A hundred percent. He's not God he's unless he has control ball. over everything. No, God has control of your actions as a Christian. I just talked about what brings us to Christ and our conscience and this mechanism that brings us to the Lord. But once we're saved, does God have control over our actions? Yes or no? Yes, because we're supposed to be slaves unto Christ. How so? The Spirit. Holy the Holy Spirit. Spirit indwells us. Where Paul says, if you don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh, what do you do? Walk in the Spirit. Anything good that comes out of my life, any good action that comes out of my life is me or God. Oh, it's God. No. So it's God. I, I think. So, so, have, so does God, so, hold on, does hold God on. have a role in our actions? As a Christian, he should have the role all the time in my actions. In fact, it's when I say, God, I got this. And, and now in my free will and flesh, I'm going to take control. That's when I run into problems it's called the flesh. The basic battle between the flesh and the spirit is this idea of God's sovereign will in my life and the propensity of my free will to get me in trouble. You were knocking on my front door there for like 10 minutes and then you showed my backyard. Okay, I'm with you now. <laughs> that took me a second. I think I think I'm on board. I think but you know what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Now yeah, I, I do, I yes. think C.S. Lewis sums it up in one of my favorite book series which i've been trying to get you to read the the space trilogy it's on my list uh yeah in uh, perilandria which is the second book um there's a quote out of it. it's one of my favorite quotes um he says whatever you do he will make good of it but not the good he had prepared for you if you had obeyed him right yeah wow so i think yeah. god god's sovereign will in your life his plan if you follow him it's, it's gonna be a lot easier a lot better for you, but he's still going to use you as a believer. And, and this is this is where I think we we start fighting too much amongst ourselves is is uh, between Arminianism and Calvinism. Is how does that apply to me as a Christian who 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 I am saved? I know I'm in God's will, but when I stray outside of God's will for my life, like how to? I mean, just like a parent, I'm not I'm not a parent. I don't have kids. But I have disciplined kids in my roles as in different jobs I've had and like summer camps and stuff. Like, how do you, how do you, he guides me as a, as a child of his. And, and that, that includes letting me do my own stuff. He lets me touch the hot pan. He lets me stick a paper clip in the, in the, in the, in the outlet. Yeah. yeah. You, you know what? It's it, called it, occupational therapy. Right. It's not, it's not his will. It's not his will for my life. If I had just listened to him. It would have been much better for me, <laughs> but right. his ultimate will in my life is going to be done because I've given my will over to him. Okay, so 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 everybody's, and and this is where this is where the conversation to me gets gets ridiculous. So people try to think of the idea of our free will and God's sovereignty, and and, and we'll even get into like, well, there's a difference between predestination and foreknowledge. Well, no, not necessarily. It's the the Bible says, yeah, God foreknows, but he also predestined. Like, God, there is a destination. The idea is there is a destination, a predestination, and I would just say it's a predestination based upon my decisions. The idea 
is that we kind of just keep this completely linear, linear, where like every it becomes very, way more simplistic. Like, okay, God knows exactly where I'm going to end up. That's determined, right? And so, at, in order to get me to that determined location, every decision He has to ordain, or at least in a roundabout way, ordain for me to get to the destination. It's linear. My whole deal is like, okay, we're talking about God and we're talking about the infinite. Can every decision I make have a predetermined destination of, of an infinite amount of options? And does God know all of them at once? That God knows what every decision I make, where it'll end up and it'll be determined. And, and every crisscross and bad choice and good choice, like, like again, that God has, he knew us before the foundations of the world and he knew the infinite amount of locations we could land at. He knew it all and he knows it all and he's not surprised by it all. And he's going to try to influence us to the best one possible. He does that through our conscience, which leads us to Christ and he fills us with his spirit. Because again, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. But we still had a conscience. And it was that conscience, that knowledge of right and wrong, that knowledge of an emptiness, that knowledge of a problem, that God used, that honing mechanism to bring us to the ground. We still had to respond to it. And if we'd never responded to it, guess what? There was a predestination, and it was called hell. One that we chose because we rejected his advances. Can, can I ask a question? It's the only way I know how to ref like phrase this uh, uh and i can't i can't ask it of creighton or me because i'm not a father oftentimes in the bible god's okay yeah proceeded as a he, he's known as a father well he introduces himself you, you have father. you have kids you have a kid uh what's your predestined ideas for your kids do you guide them based on their personalities on on what they're what this is the only way i know how to think of this is 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 i'm fighting with this this is a real that's a real world thing for me right now i've got um that going on big time so like i i lean heavily on i don't want to say towards but i lean heavily on the the calvinist ideas um like that's kind of been a almost call it like a crutch for me throughout a lot of my life um but so if I have I have a hundred percent faith that God absolutely has a plan and a will for for my son, right? Um, what I'm going through right now is trying to figure out, like that plan is already set in place. My part with the whole free will side of it, um, in my mind right now, is me choosing to be be used by God to to get that message to Killian. Like if Killian is eventually going to, you know, he's going to have the information he's got and he's going to make his decision. My free will portion of that is being the one who introduces that to him. Does I get, that make sense? Guess, that yeah, yeah. So, but what I'm saying, and just to take your analogy, is that that's a very, I think, almost too simplistic way of looking at it. Because, and maybe you just framed it wrong. That there is a defined. Is there is there a predestined? De- is there a destiny? I guess what I'm wait, asking. Wait, real quick, is there a destiny? Sure. What is that destiny? There's a million options that yeah. God knows. Well, that's what, and that's what I'm saying. I and want you're trying I to want lead to, him to the best one. Well, no, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to give him the information. He's he's still got to make his own choice. There's still there, right there. There's two paths he can take. But I want to be the one who I want to choose 
in my free will to be the one to do, you know, what's right and give him a good example and teach him about Christ on, you know, to the point that he does make that choice. And then he's in his own free will. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, for sure. I I guess what I'm asking is not that what God's, what you're trying to determine is God's will in his life. I'm asking like, you want your kid to be a doctor. You want your kid to be a a, a, a basketball or baseball player. I need a dentist. How, how, yeah. How, How do you, how do you, is it something you identify like, I'm I'm not a father, so I like I can only imagine what my father wanted me to be when I was older. Like if if anything at all, dude, I didn't know what I wanted to do with right. my life until a year but, ago. You know, so you start. I've been involved in like rec departments and stuff like that, and you see the parents that push their kids to learn this, push their kids to learn. You know, they they send them to all the baseball camps and stuff like that, uh, or, or football camps and stuff like that, and they want them to be in the the NFL or MLB, and. and that kid chooses not to do that. Now, you being an imperfect person, that's understandable that that might not happen. But that that's how I I'm kind of looking at this like you're if you were perfect, you you understood your child perfectly, you knew where they their talents and 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 their their abilities would take them. You had the plan set out. They ultimately had that choice to sit home and play video games or go to that that football camp or baseball camp kind of thing. Yeah, looking Can I bring this saying? around a bit, I think? Well, looking at it from the, okay. from the vantage point That's of God, cool. which is, which is, I think, where you're trying to go, yeah. taking a God analogy into, you know, like, okay, for my kids as a father. Like what, I mean, the father analogy is obvious that God is yeah, the yeah. father of humanity and we are the father of our children. Yeah, and I can, and I can, I can say, again, playing off of the analogy, um, where this would be relevant is that what what is my what is my goal for my children? Um, what is what do I want them? What is their destiny? What, where's the destination? Oh, it's very simple. It's heaven. If, if if I don't get to spend eternity with my kids, I failed. I don't care what they do between now and then. My, my, my number one job is I want them to get to heaven. I want them to go to heaven. I want them to make a decision to follow Jesus. And I think our heavenly father in that sense, like that is, that is the first, that is, that is the first most significant aim and goal. Now, after that, what would, so once my kids come to know Jesus, then what do I want for them? Well, I want them to serve their King. And I want, and that means that, that, that whatever talents God has given them to their ability I want to see them maximize that for the kingdom. That's what Matthew 25 is all about. And, and some of my kids have more talents than others. And, and, and it's ultimately to help them understand whatever talent God gave them to influence his kingdom. And it, it might not be the paycheck that it brings, or it might not be the lifestyle that, that you, know, you would dream for. You know, if some of my kids were like, hey, I, w- I want to go, I want to be a missionary someplace. And God puts that call in their life. Is that your dream for your kid to go to Haiti? No, I don't want to. I would would not want to go visit my grandkids in Haiti. Right. That, you see that, what I'm saying? But I would want yeah. them to, to, I want them to serve their king. Right. And, and not that, their dad. No, I'm just I'm coming at it from a whole analogy standpoint yeah. of of God being a father. See the difference. He, the he difference see, is that 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 God is the father of us. He he has control. I don't. <laughs> one thing you learn very quickly as a parent, you have zero control. Right. <laughs> Like now you have influence and that might fit within the conscience analogy that we're talking about. Like to some extent, I am part of my children's conscience. 
and, and as a result, I'm 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 the one speaking. Hey, that's wrong. Hey, that's that that's the right thing. I, I'm the one saying, hey, that's sin, and and that should be rewarded. Like I am functioning as as my child's conscience, as their conscience. I'm helping form their conscience in that sense, in the direction of their conscience, and where they're heading with their right. Conscience. And that that's kind of what I'm saying is like, right. Say you you want your kid to be an MLB player, you you provide him with opportunities to go to the baseball camps, the training and stuff like that, but he has to choose. He still he has, has to, to choose has to, to do it. He has to go oh, there. For sure. And your ultimate goal is that. And it's not. I'm not saying that you know God had. But this is what's cool but, to work yeah. on your analogy and where it breaks down entirely, is like once. Once they choose the path, right, and and playing the analogy, so once they get saved, once they've they've rejected, you know, the world, and they've they've confessed their sin, and they've accepted God's gift of salvation, which comes with a regeneration, a renewal, the Holy Spirit filling their heart, filling their life. Then then it's like the the you you want God's control all over it. In fact, like that's what you, you you preach Calvinism when you get saved, obey God, like what God is predetermining you to do and influencing it through His Holy Spirit. Do that, you'll be all do right. Do that thing. Do what He walk in the Spirit. It's kind of like having Greg Maddox as your dad, and he wants you to be a pitcher in the MLB, and he teaches you all his tricks, takes you the right stuff. Like, you are just a you, world of analogies tonight. Well, I know, and it's brave tomorrow, and and I'm I'm just stuck on this. And, and like, <laughs> imagine he can from your birth, he sees that you're gonna somehow he sees that you're gonna be a great pitcher, and he provides you with all that. Hey, listen, and I'll give you I'll give you a practical example. So when I, um, when I was after my first semester of Bible college, no, it was. I was, it was, it was, I had one semester left. So I was home for the winter and then I was going back for my final semester of Bible college. And I was really trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do with my life. I felt a calling, but it was like, do I come home? Do I serve here? Do I, do I need to track chart my own path? I was also dealing with like the nepotism thing. Am I doing this because that's what my dad does and what my uncle does? Um, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, anyway, I got the opportunity. Um, we had uh, the deep South pastors conference. It was in January at the time. Um, I wasn't going back to California for another couple of weeks. Um, but I was just around the church helping out and I got the chance to drive John Corson back to the airport. And John Corson was like my hero at that time. Like he was, it still is just a superb Excellent Bible teacher, just kind of on my, my Mount Rushmore. and Featured on Get Fed Today. Featured on Get Fed Today, um, which is one of the few podcasts you can find, John Corson. Um, but the, um, so I was in my two-door Saturn, <laughs> my little Saturn coupe, driving to the Atlanta airport. I was having this conversation with John, which, you know, I'm, I'm 20 years old with John Corson, right? The private audience for 45 minutes driving to the airport. Just a, it was a dream come true, and uh, at some point he kind of cut me off in the conversation. He said, and I'll never forget it. Hope I get it right. He said, "Zach, you're not going into the ministry because you're an Adams. 
you're an Adams because God knew you were going to go into the ministry. That's interesting. And his point was, is if God wanted you to be a mechanic, he could have given you a dad that was a mechanic. That could have prepped you and treated and, and taught you and raised you up to be a mechanic. I mean, you look at the Old Testament and how things typically worked. It was like generational careers. Like you were a fisherman. Why? Because your dad was a fisherman. And God kind of set that up because the best teacher was what? Your dad who already was doing it. And it was the unique people that got kind of called out to, you know, do, do specialty things. The way the priesthood worked, it was all a family affair. You know, you were part of the family. It's like nepotism is kind of a biblical idea. The kings kind of function that way. The only king that they really screwed up was Saul. You know, the other ones God ordained. If you gave them a bad one, it's because they deserved it. But the idea, you know, of, you know, God, you're not going into the ministry because you're an Adams. You're an Adams because God knew you were going to go into the ministry. And so he puts you with your dad. So that you could have a 20-year Bible college that was unaccredited. For you to go to an unaccredited Bible college, you know? <laughs> um, so, so, I mean, but again, that's, that's kind of where that interesting... Now, did I have the freedom to do whatever I wanted to do? Sure. I had to have a calling and a purpose, but was I ready? And that's where you kind of get this balance. And this is, I guess, trying to wrap all of this up because we're running out of time. Like, if your theology can't can't come down to earth and make sense of your life. Like if you really hold real hard on the full Calvinist thing, man, you got some, you got some real challenges up ahead. <laughs> you got some things to deal with. And you also have some challenges that I look at my life. Um, I, you know, I, it's, it's one of those things that you, you'd step back and say, you know, that was not God's will for my life. Mm-hmm. That was me being an idiot. Now, does God have a will for my life? Sure. And was that part of his plan? The destination might have changed, might not have. I don't know. We're in multiple dimensions and all kinds of different wills, and we can get into trippy time and space elements to it, right? You know, do I make a mistake and God's like, crap, now what are we going to do? <laughs> no, at no point, right? <laughs> Got to push the rapture back like 10 years. Right. <laughs> it's my fault, guys. I'm so sorry. But like, you know what I mean? It's, 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 there's an element where, and then on the flip side to it, man, there are times where I'm like, just so deeply, like what I went through last year, getting sick and all that. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, you know, if I was, if, if I was a hardcore Armenianist where everything is, is my free will, then man, it's like, what, what did I do wrong? Like, what did I do, you know, to cause that to happen to me and my family? That's where like God's sovereignty helps me a lot because it's like, man, you know, okay. It gives me purpose immediately. Were you blind just because your parents sinned exactly. or were you blind just so Jesus could heal you on that? Well, the answer is it was obviously my, my dad's sin. Whoa, um, now. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't your mom. No, it wasn't my mom. No, no, absolutely. Perfect angel. Absolutely. No, the but I'm just saying like your theology, your theology has to, has to fit everyday life. And that's where, like, from the 20,000-foot perspective, I hate this conversation. But if you bring it down to the nitty-gritty, I think that you can find, just practically speaking, where, where it might be hard to articulate, 
but practically you can feel it. You can feel that that ebb and flow of God's sovereignty and your will going back and forth at work all the time, constantly. Even in ways that you're like, I don't even understand how this is happening, but I feel it. I feel it. And I, and, and I walk in the Spirit. And it's not something I fully wrap my brain around. But I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing it. And I'm comfortable in not wrapping my brain around it. You should be because you're not going to. Yeah. Um, again, I think the human conscience is an interesting idea that God did equip us with a conscience that we can sear, which is fascinating. And, and I think, I think when, it, when it's all said, the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is, a, is a, big, a big component in God influencing his will in my, in my decision-making. But then the Bible is very clear that I can totally go against that, right? And suffer the consequences as a result. So. Isn't that reassuring, though? Even when you screw up or bad things happen, God's will is sovereign in your life. Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> no, it is. Like, I mean, just stuff like, you know, your situation. You know, how many people has God touched just because they found out you were in a coma, should have died and didn't, and God miraculously healed you? Now, flip side to it, I've got a friend. I have a friend, a dear friend that I did ministry with years and years and years ago that was very gifted, um, charismatic, dynamic. God had a hand on his life. And, um, and he has completely, for the last 20 years, farted it away. And when you challenge him on it, it's the grace so I can do anything. Perspective. Perversion. He completely relies on the side. Well, if, if God will, this is what this is what my life is supposed. If if God was willing something else, it would be something else. Like it's a complete crutch, and an excuse for him not taking his talent and using it for the glory of God. And the danger, according to Jesus, is that one day you'll 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 come toe to toe with the king. Well, I think also it goes back to Jesus when he's quite was it Peter when he's saying, "If you love me, you feed my sheep." Yeah, like mm-hmm. he asked him like was two or three times if you you love me, and like when when you love somebody you're you want to do what they want you to do exactly uh, like I, I I don't yeah I'm gonna mess up I'm love. gonna yeah I'm gonna mess up I'm gonna do stuff that God doesn't want me to do but at the end of the day like because I love God my I always go back to that like I want to do what God wants me which to is do. the essence of grace that's the power of grace right I'm not I'm not I'm not being I'm not being compelled to do it. Right. I get to do it. And I think that's what sets apart Christianity from, uh, for lack of a better term, all other religions is, is like, I don't good. I don't do good things because it earns me a spot in heaven or earns me a mansion. It, it's because I love, I love Jesus. And <laughs> that's what I want to do. He, he well, did. think about it this way. Like grace, grace doesn't exist at all. Right. Without free will. Right. Period. Right. But grace is only demonstrated through God's sovereignty. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, how, how else did the, the, the disciples go through all their suffering and stuff at the, you know, when they died? I mean, you look at all the disciples, how they died. Like, you, you don't go through that without... Everyone was martyred but John. Right. And that wasn't for lack of trying. Or, or the, the people that, you know, I've known personally that, that, that have been jailed or, or beaten for Christ or, or you hear the other stories like in Fox's book of martyrs and stuff yeah. like that. Like you don't, 
Do you think they just did that because they they were like, oh, this is God's will. I'm going to do it. Any like, I'm going to allow this to happen. It sucks. Life sucks. Like certain things suck, but you know what? God's sovereign and 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 His ultimate will in your life is it's what you look forward to. Truth, Kyle. You got any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just really glad all y'all chose to come to this preordained conversation. <laughs> okay, good. There it yeah. is. Solid. And and Nick Nick and Derek weren't. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, we kind of. I'm gonna switch to me now. We kind of ran through time. Do you want to take no. a few minutes and address it, or do you want no. to push it to next week? What That's do you fine. Do? No. God ordained it. All right, there it is. God wills it. God, God wills, it. wills it. That was a good choice. <laughs> no, no, we're we're already we're already long, so we'll let it ride. Anything else, Pope Creighton? Nope, we're good. No comments. Right. No comments. No, we've got a very light comment show. I am very disappointed in our audience. Our audience. We're not going to rip on the audience. All right, I'm going to get us out of here. Thank you so much for listening to the Outlaw Radio Show, available on Apple, Google, Spotify, podcasted on Thursdays. If you're listening, check out the live stream recording uh, of the show uh, Wednesday nights uh, at 8 p.m. Uh, we live stream on YouTube as well as on Facebook. So if you're watching, check out the podcast. If you're listening on the podcast, check out the live stream. With all that being said, my name is Zach Adams, Pastor Calvary 316, and I will see you guys this time next week for more of the Outlaw Radio Show.